Hi, and welcome back to The Gold Podcast. It's Isabel here, assistant editor here at Gold, and I'm flying solo once again this week. My co-host Jade is on a trip to Paris, but before she left, she just had time to sit down for a chat with this week's guest. Now, if you're an avid gold reader, you may remember that we had Christy Shaw, the former CEO of Kite, as our last catalyst. Well, today, Jade talks to her former colleague and commercial whiz, Warner Biddle, who is Senior Vice President and Global Head of Commercial at Kite. Now, before I play the interview, as always, let me give you a bit of background to today's guest. As I said, Warner Biddle is the SVP and Global Head of Commercial at Kite, and he actually served as the interim head of the organisation between March and May of this year, following the departure of Christy Shaw. Prior to joining Kite in 2020, he was the Vice President of the Breast, Gynaecology and Skin Cancer franchise at Jedetech, where he led the strategy and launch of several key commercial and pipeline products. On a more personal note, Warner is a devoted husband and father, and when his schedule isn't packed with flights to and from different time zones, he enjoys spending time with family, as you'll hear in a moment as he discusses his plans for the 4th of July celebrations going on in the US. And with that, I'll hand over to Jade. Hi, Warner. Thank you so much for joining me here today. How are you doing? Good, Jade. Thanks for uh, having me on today. No worries. I understand the time difference is quite stark here. It's about 5.30 p.m. over here, but you guys are only just waking up, right? Yes, I've had my second cup of coffee, so I'm ready to go. Oh, perfect. Raring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you is, um, I understand 4th of July is coming up very soon. Do you have any celebrations in mind? you got much planned? Oh, um, well, I'm going to spend a little bit of time with my family in Hawaii, um, we're going to go over there for a week and just uh, do a little bit of hiking, a little bit of relaxing. I haven't seen my kids all together uh, with my wife for, uh, for, for a couple months, so this is going to be nice to get everybody together. Oh, definitely. That sounds amazing. So the first question I wanted to ask you, um, as your role of head of commercial at Kite, how does Kite approach the commercialization of new therapies and how do you ensure that they're made as accessible as they can be? Yeah, that's great. Um, well, first, it's it's really an exciting time to be here at Kite. Um, as I think you know, and a lot of the, um, the people listening to this podcast know, we're the only company dedicated and that's fully integrated to cell therapy. So this is something all of us in the organization, whether you're in research, development, manufacturing, or commercialization like myself, we, we wake up every day thinking about cell therapy. How do we make it better and how do we get it to more patients? Um, but as as you know, it's 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 a very innovative therapy. This is personalized medicine at its finest, and uh, um, we've got an opportunity here to be really transformative with patients to potentially cure them. But it's 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 not easy, and a lot of things have to come together. So um, we work really hard at Kite in terms of scaling our manufacturing, um, building market access, so that we can um, get negotiations with local um, and country payers to make sure that um, reimbursement support is there. Of course, we have to build the infrastructure to make sure that we can um, both collect and deliver these cells back to their patients. Um, and this requires us to think about building a whole new class of medicine. Um, that means we're not only doing stuff as a company ourselves, but we're also working with a number of our external stakeholders on shaping the ecosystem so that more patients can get access to these transformative therapies. Um, 
we have a saying inside Kite that this is a team sport. Um, we, we, we can't do things function by function and be successful. And I think that transcends externally to the, um, the stakeholder environment as well. We all need to work together. And if we're going to bring these uh, very unique, but like I said, potentially very transformative therapies to as many patients as possible. Wow, I love that team sport. And it's definitely something amazing to be working towards. My next question is looking a bit more into the specific regions of the world. What is it that you and Kite are doing to ensure that cell therapy is breaking into markets on a real global scale? Yeah, great question. I'm really proud of the progress we've been making over the last few years to expand our reach um, to get these therapies to more patients. And the real key here, Jade, is um, we call them ATCs, but they're authorized treatment centers. Um, these are the centers where the patient cells are collected and where they eventually receive the end treatment. And we know from all of our research that we need to get these as close as possible to patients because if they are closer to patients, they're more likely to opt in for the therapy. And then once they, they, they have opted in, they're more likely to actually go through with it and receive the therapy. So a big part of our strategy is about building and expanding our ATC reach around the globe. And we're now at over 350 ATCs worldwide. Um, and we've um, um, expanded here in, in, in the U.S. to over 120 centers, which um, obviously is a big market overall for, uh, for these patients. But we're also building our capacity worldwide. In Europe, we're now in over 20 countries and established ATCs in over 20 countries in Europe. Um, we've also been working on our um, building our ATC network into Japan. In fact, we're taking the marketing authorization back um, to Kite and relaunching in, in Japan in the coming weeks. So we're looking to expand and, and, and access and, and, and create more um, access for those patients in this important market. And we've also been working uh, with Fosun Pharma in China through a joint venture to bring um, these therapies to, to patients in China, which is obviously a huge market and very underserved when it comes to, when it comes to these therapies. And then we've also been thinking beyond that. Um, there, um, there are a number of markets around the world that have the capacity and the uh, ability to treat patients, but a little bit more complex in terms of the logistics. But we're working to uh, uh, bring cell therapies like Yescard and Tocardis into markets like Brazil, Singapore, and Saudi Arabia as well. So as we say here internally, lymphoma doesn't stop at any border. So um, how do we uh, continue to build these ATC networks, which are uh, complicated. They take time to build um, both on our side and with, with the centers themselves. Probably the most distant place on the planet we, we brought Yescarta to is Perth in Australia, um, which was very com complex and, 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 and a lot of logistics uh, getting that all set up. But we're, we're treating patients there now, which is um, an exciting milestone. And we've celebrated um, that internally um, with, with all of us. Gosh, really global scale there. Um, so from your perspective, what are the primary challenges that Kite might encounter over the next five years? And how has the company positioned itself to effectively address these? Yeah, well, I think from the outside perspective, I think one of the, the biggest challenges this class of therapies has had is um, the building sufficient manufacturing capacity in order to serve these patients. Um, as you know, it's a complicated manufacturing process and you know every, every patient's its own unique lot, highly personalized. Um, so the entire industry is working to build up the capacity. And I think Kite's been able to do, I think, a really nice job here to build up the capacity, not just for the demand we're facing now, but we believe we're, we're building the capacity for future demand as well um, with the number of different um, 
manufacturing facilities that we have located a, across the U.S. and also our um, some of our newest um, manufacturing facilities are now in Amsterdam, over in Europe. Um, and we're also um, really interested in increasing the manufacturing efficiency. So that means increasing the turnaround time. We've got the fastest turnaround time in the industry with the 16 days here in the U.S., 19 days in Europe, um, and also increasing the manufacturing success rate. Um, 96% is our is our um, current manufacturing success rate. And we're, we're actually working to improve that and make it even better. Um, because as you know, um, we can have these tremendous therapies, but if we if we if, if we can't manufacture them consistently and deliver them to patients quickly and on time, um, the patients won't get treated and, and they won't benefit from these therapies. So um, that's something I think we built a competitive advantage on. But one of the other things that I think to think about, we, we talk about our own capacity a lot as a company and as an industry. But the other challenge, just to answer your question, that I think we'll be facing over the next five years is how do we build capacity in the system itself um, within the ATCs and, and, and within um, the different hospitals that are treating these patients? There's a number of CAR-Ts that are coming to market, not just from Kite, but from a number of other different companies. So we're thinking about how do we work with our, um, with our payers, with our stakeholders, with the physicians, with these different hospital networks on how we can increase their capacity so they can actually treat more patients. Um, over time, because we know um, this is going to increase exponentially over the coming years. And um, frankly, we believe that the system's not prepared yet, but we need to continue to work with these, um, with, with these different stakeholders in order to build that capacity so that we can treat the patients that, 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 that desperately need these therapies. Mm, you mentioned CAR-T therapy there. This has been around for over five years now, but only a fraction of patients have actually been able to receive it. What are the barriers preventing patients from accessing the specific therapy? Is this similar to the capacity challenges you mentioned earlier on? Yeah, well, it, it, it's, it's, an interesting, um, it's an interesting question. We've done a lot of research here, and we know that um, of the patients that are actually eligible to receive CAR-T or could benefit from CAR-T therapy, roughly only three out of 10 patients actually get access to it now. Um, so on one hand, I think we can pat ourselves on the back and say, well, we made some progress because a few years ago that was, that was, that was zero. Um, but we're actually looking at sort of the glass being half empty and we're thinking, well, how do we get to that other seven out of 10 patients? Um, and there's a number of unique things in, in this space that make, that make it um, um, a little more challenging for, for, for patients, Jade, and that we're working with our external stakeholders in, in terms of trying to navigate. And these are things of like increasing awareness um, in, in, in the community particularly with community oncologists, they're the ones that are treating these patients um, in the initial phases of their disease. And when they could be potentially CAR-T patients, they're usually sitting in the community. And so a big part of, you know, an education efforts on our side is how do we raise awareness on them so they can identify these patients sooner? They're extremely busy. They treat a number of different types of patients. Um, they don't always see um, these specific patients. So how do we help them identify these patients sooner and, and build um, their confidence in terms of referrals so they can get into an ATC, so they can get assessed and see whether these therapies are right for them. So a big education effort there and, and really just trying to unpack a number of the um, myths, if you were, that are still persisting with regards to CAR-T therapy. I think we've learned a lot over the last five years, um, both in terms of the efficacy of these products, they're, they're, they're clearly transformative. They can potentially cure patients. We also know that there's uh, new ways that they can manage and, and, and deal with the side effect profiles of patients. 
And they're also very, very um, cost effective as well. So we're working on providing education throughout the system, particularly with the community oncologists. So like I said, they can identify these patients and refer them sooner. Um, the other key aspect that I think we're investing in and that requires additional investment as well is educating the patients themselves. Um, a lot of times they are very interested in CAR-T therapy, but from our research, they, they find out about CAR-T therapy and the benefits that it could provide them very late in, the, in, 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 their, in their disease journey. Um, and by that point, they may have been you know, exhausted with a number of other therapies. Um, they may not have planned for how they could receive CAR-T therapy. So a big part of our educational efforts is getting to patients sooner, um, really dispelling this myth that, um, that CAR-T is not you know, science fiction that's been around uh, just for a couple of years. It's actually been around now for um, over 10 years. Um, we've treated over thousands of patients around the world. And like I said, these are proven therapies that can really benefit patients. So um, getting them to them early so they can evaluate with their caregivers whether this might be right for them and then working with their community oncologists, um, get into an ATC so they can be assessed. We know we can make progress here. There's actually some markets um, in, in the world that have um, now getting access to CAR-T therapy above this three out of 10, some markets in Europe, for example, that are treating four or five patients out of 10. So we know we can make progress. There's great examples of this where the education and pathways for patients are actually more developed and more streamlined. And I think we can learn from these markets and, and, and help patients everywhere around the world. So I think a lot of exciting progress, but more, more to come. And we're really excited to lead the charge here and work with our external stakeholders in terms of making this happen. For sure. I mean, I'm definitely excited to see what comes of this. Um, speaking of the future of treatments, what aspects of Kite Pharma's future excite you the most? And are there any notable developments on the horizon for the wider industry to watch out for? Yeah, um, well, I think there's a lot of exciting things. Um, probably the, just most immediately, the, some of the most exciting things have happened or some of the newest data that we've presented over the last year with regards to our um, yes, scar to therapy for uh, large B cell lymphomas. Um, last year, we we presented the five year OS data from our Zuma one trial. What actually showed that uh, forty three percent of patients are alive after five years. This is extremely unique, very very meaningful for patients that uh, would normally have a a median life expectancy of six months. So um, this is incredible news in terms of overall survival, which I think is really really meaningful. Um, and most recently, we've actually just presented our second line data in large B-cell lymphoma from the Zuma 7 trial, what actually demonstrated that Yescarta significantly improved overall survival in these patients as well versus the standard of care um, stem cell transplant that's been um, really with us for over 30 years. So again, another unique milestone that really shows the transformative potential of these therapies and, and, and really um, the importance of these therapies that can actually potentially cure these, cure these patients with a, with a one-and-done therapy. Um, so as exciting as those, um, milestones are in terms of, uh, clinical data, I, I think we're, we're not resting on our laurels here. Um, we're actually innovating, um, at Kite and looking for the next generation therapies that can improve upon these efficacy, uh, great efficacy results. Um, first of all, we're actually investing in earlier lines of therapy. Like I said, we moved from third line into second line. Now we're looking at, um, first line, yes, car to therapy in a, in a trial called Zuma 23, uh, we're seeing whether um, we can actually improve upon those efficacy um, results even further by giving it to patients even earlier in their journey. Um, and then we're working on next generation therapies. Um, 
We got a, a, a bi-specific a bi uh, Kite 363, a dual targeting car that's going to um, hopefully improve efficacy for these patients even further. And we're also working on faster manufacturing that um, um, can not only reduce the manufacturing time and improve that um, speed to patients, but also improve the efficacy and potentially the safety profile for these patients as well. Really great to see that innovation absolutely in motion from you guys. You know, it's always one thing after another, and it's great to see that there's always an eye on the horizon when it comes to treating patients and seeking to cure these horrible diseases. So, yeah, very amazing to see. And now on to my final question. If you were to give a TED Talk on a topic outside of your professional expertise, what would it be about? <laughs> well, hmm. I... It would probably be about music. I, I, I love music. I've been a huge fan of music for my entire life. And I have a huge record collection and still go to a lot of concerts when I can. I used to actually play in bands when I was younger um, and didn't have kids and I had more time. So it would have to be something about music. Maybe a, maybe a TED Talk on the, the art of putting the ultimate playlist together. Um, maybe maybe a, a good topic. I was always the, the person that put together mixtapes for all my friends. And I really believe that music transcends cultures. It actually helps bring people together. And I think it always brings us back to um, really special moments in our lives and reminds us of what's important and, um, and, and, and can be a, a really positive reinforcement. So probably a TED talk about music and, and, um, and something maybe along the lines of uh, putting the ultimate playlist together would be the topic I'd put forward. Perfect. I'd definitely be attending that. I think every time I've constructed a playlist, somehow and some way, ABBA always sneaks in. No matter what, every other song I've put on there, there's always a bit of ABBA. Well, there was a lot of ABBA in my in my house growing up. My mom loved ABBA, so um, ABBA sneaks in on my playlist as well. So they're they're a classic go to for when you want to feel good, for sure. Something for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Warner. It's been amazing to chat with you. Really a pleasure to meet you too. And, and thanks again for inviting me. Well, apart from learning that both Jade and Warner like a little bit of ABBA, I am also partial myself. I thought Warner had a lot of interesting insights into the opportunities and challenges of cell and gene therapy. An insight I'd like to pick out was around that statistic of three out of 10 eligible patients are only currently getting access to CAR T cell therapy. I think this was problematic, obviously, but I really liked Warner's emphasis on improving the training, but also the confidence of community oncologists to identify patients in the midst of their hectic clinical schedules. But that's it for today. If you enjoyed the episode, buckle up, because next week we will be back with another great interview with an inspiring pharma leader who just turns out to be Gold's next catalyst. Please subscribe if you haven't already, and I will be back with Jade next week. Until then, take care and goodbye for now.